again, I'm really big on the personal outreach. I can't say it enough. And I know it's not cool and it's not scalable and it's not growth hacker like, but uh, it feels right for me. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. What's the number one problem all businesses face? It's not sales, marketing, or product market fit. It's hiring. We know just how hard it is, so we've compiled 25 hiring tips from top CEOs that I've interviewed here on Growth Everywhere and put it into a free resource just for you. Text 25 tips to 33444 to get the free resource now. Again, it is 25 to number 25 tips, T-I-P-S, to double three triple four and you'll get the free resource. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. Today, we have Esprit Devora, who is the creator of We Are LA Tech, which hosts the number one, or the first, I should say, and the number one uh, podcast focused on LA startups, and really hit number two on iTunes across all categories in new and noteworthy. Um, it's the most comprehensive community calendar of all LA startup events, and a job board exclusively for LA startups. And Esprit is also known as the girl who gets it done. She <laughs> has provided seminars in interactive content and social media to many corporations and universities, including Disney, CBS, International Association of Skateboard Companies, USC Executive MBA, and Georgetown MBA. Esprit, how are you doing today? Amazing. I'm, I'm so excited to be hanging out with you, Eric. This is so, super cool. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how it eventually led up to um, you know, where you are now? Well, um, I became an entrepreneur when I was a teenager, and I got interested in technology when my father had a home office. So I would just like hang out on his computer at his home office, and my dad was an early adopter, so he'd have like the first cell phone and everything. Uh, every all the gadgets that came out, he had you know they it was this big brick. <laughs> um, <laughs> he had to, he had to have it, and so I kind of just grew up with uh, tech in mind, and I also was a bit of a tomboy, so I would go to a lot of motocross events and skateboarding and things of that nature. And so when I got into my teens, I wanted to create a tech sports company um, that a novel idea that would unite people that had similar interests. <laughs> and so um, so around the time of Friendster, if anybody can remember Friendster, is uh, when I started creating my sports company. And uh, and it was it was this massive journey of uh I went from, you know, having an idea to making that idea reality, to building a team, to raising money, to shooting pro athletes around the country like Tony Hawk and Sean White. And it was, it, it was amazing. It was the most amazing experience. And this is before it was cool like it is today to be a startup. I don't even think I knew the term startup. I was just uniting sports and technology, two things I loved. And, um, and so my experiences um, with my sports company led to, of course, many other experiences, um, which now have um, inspired me to create uh, We Are LA Tech, because as a young entrepreneur, there weren't 
I mean, I was really, I mean, we're all naive, right? Until you know, you don't know. So I um, didn't know where to get advice or who to trust as a mentor or where to find an attorney. Or, you know, I was told that you needed super expensive attorneys in order to get VC money and all these things. So I wanted to create this concept that essentially like protects the 18-year-old version of myself <laughs> to save uh, any entrepreneur out there from spending the $10,000 that I had to spend on consultants or losing the hundreds of thousands of dollars for making a poor business decision. I'm, I'm hoping that We Are LA Tech helps bridge people to incredible resources to save them time and money. Awesome. So let's say I'm, you know, I, let's say I'm a, you know, I'm an 18-year-old, I'm naive, I'm not sure what to do, and I want to get involved in tech. So can you give me an example of how We Are LA Tech works in that respect? Oh, of course. Yeah. Great question. So like, let's say even like you land in LAX, you're like, where do I go? What events exist? Uh, what, what are the accelerators? You know, who are the investors? How do I found a co-founder? How do I start a company? Where can I build a website? How do I design a website? <laughs> you know, all these things, where can I take a programming course? What are the schools, um, for programming? Um, so we are LA tech has a few core assets. We have, um, a podcast, as you mentioned before, and um, on the podcast, we discuss LA startups and what's happening in LA startup life. We have the calendar um, of events, and now we have a mobile app um, for We Are LA Tech. It's in private beta, but you have easy access to of events. So literally you could land in LAX, see all the events going on and straight away, like go to something and start forming your network, figure out what, what area is the best to live in, whether it's Venice or Santa Monica or Pasadena to figure out which one's right for you. Um, maybe find your potential roommate there. And, um, we also have a private Slack group for LA startups, the, we are LA tech Slack group. And so there you could quickly like integrate into the LA tech culture and get to know a lot of the people, um, taking massive action here in LA. And uh, so really it's uh, all, uh, every single piece of We Are LA Tech is a bridge to integrate you into the LA startup culture. So yeah, like landing in LAX, you could access the mobile app, you could access the private chat group. And all you need to do to access that is just tweet us, email us, go to wearelatech.com or We Are LA Tech on Twitter. And it's e as easy as just forming a relationship with us. Great. And so how do you, you know, it's, it's already tough enough to build communities and especially when you have the, the whole LA tech community. I mean, that's, that's difficult right. too. So how do you, um, how do you grow a community like that? So I, to me, we are LA tech is exactly what it says. It's we are LA tech. So to me, uh, we are LA tech in itself is the community. It's, uh, it's, uh, labeling the community, I guess. So you are, we are LA tech. I am, we are LA tech, the guide down the block and, you know, at dog vacay is we are LA tech, you know, um, like we already are, we are LA tech. I just gave it a website and a uni unifying name, you know? Um, but, uh, but I don't feel that I, created the community. I, the community already exists. I just, um, I just unite, um, the community so that, uh, we have a central focus point, right? So right now we're super, um, super spread out that whether it's Pasadena or Venice and there's all this stuff going on everywhere and it's just really fragmented. So in order to work together as a city, we need to unite as a city to move forward. So creating this mobile app, that is a non-biased mobile app. We don't, you know, um, 
We don't favor one thing over another thing. And it's legit just to unite the city. That way, Pasadena could know what Venice is doing. Venice can know what Santa Monica is doing. I mean, we could all just know what one another is doing. Um, so the thing that I have to spend most of my time on is creating awareness that this this asset exists and or this resource exists. And the way I do that is via the podcast, um, via, via the podcast, I mean, people talk about We Are LA Tech in um, presentations now because they say this is how you can know where all the events are happening. So uh, a lot of word of mouth. Um, uh, I moderate a, a ton of panels, but I don't moderate panels with the intent of marketing. I moderate panels with the same intent of protecting, like protecting the teenage version of myself. But uh, it so happens that when I moderate a ton, the panels that um, – of course, people find out about We Are LA Tech that way as well. So it's a lot of um, it's a lot of grassroots. Everybody that signs up um, for the We Are LA Tech email list uh, gets a personal email from me, and I research them to actually know who they are. No one's a metric in my mind. Everybody's a human being, which is the way I think all companies should be run. But um, so that personal connection, I think, helps a lot. Um, we do a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of non-scalable personal outreach. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to yeah. do it. Yeah, I mean, supposedly. I mean, scaling is such a popular word, but I mean, I mean, having someone know your name and know what you care about and, and write you a genuine email and not look to have you buy something, that's pretty powerful. So, yeah, cool. a lot of non-scalable personal outreach. <laughs> That's great. No, it's 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 like you said. You know, everybody talks. When you said that, when, when you said I, I, the the first word I thought of in my mind was, um, you know, what was what would VC say? Like, you know, oh, but it's not scalable. <laughs> but you know, it, it's it's tough to scale scale caring at that level. So it's great that you're yeah. doing that. Um, so the podcast. Let's talk a little bit about that. You know, what are you doing exactly there? And you know, how has it benefited you? Yeah, it's great. So to me, the podcast, when I started, it was an extension of moderating panels, right? It's say the podcast was scaling moderating because I felt that moderating, I was creating such a positive impact in the community and that I felt so honored to be a part of that. And I'm like, how can I do this for people that aren't just in this physical space? And when I discovered podcasting as the perfect solution and, you know, to get the, the press and the rankings that the podcast has um, been so blessed to achieve, um, obviously a lot more people find out about We Are LA Tech and the resources that exist in LA because of the podcast, which is just really, really cool. Um, getting into like how to grow a podcast and all that is a total other story, but a couple of things that have really helped in growing the podcast. Again, I don't wait till a product exists to start talking about it. So for instance, we Are LA Tech is producing the Women in Tech podcast coming out. Um, the live uh, episodes of the Women in Tech podcast probably won't air for another few months, but the Twitter is already up to like a thousand followers. We already have like an email list. I don't wait uh, for a product to be ready to start um, uh, you know, sharing the product. I, uh, do immediately create visuals like graphic art, uh, graphic art for a product, uh, an email list, um, and then set up that personal communication chain. But I don't, uh, I don't wait till something's built to say, okay, now I like, I, I try to have an audience already existing. Got it. Okay. So let's, let's talk a little bit about growth since you alluded to that. I mean, you know, how did you get getting to the, the number 
how'd you get to the number two spot for new and noteworthy? And you know, what else are you doing to grow the podcast today? Sure. I think it's a combination of things. Uh, I think it does not hurt that I'm a woman in tech because that seems to be the the talk of the town these days. <laughs> and uh, having a tech ho- podcast is actually advantageous. A lot of advertisers and marketers um, are looking for more tech podcasts. And then I got really niche, right? Like it's LA startups. So um, people can feel emotionally connected to my particular podcast. Whereas if I just had I mean, there is a podcast called Startup. This is different because it's like one of the most incredible podcasts ever. And I I don't even compare with that because um, that podcast was um, done by the same people who created like NPR type podcasts. So that's a whole nother level of production. But the idea is you can feel a lot more connected. If if you said, you know, um, you know, a female in L.A., who's a tech entrepreneur, I'm going to say, yeah, that's me. But if you just say tech entrepreneur, then, and don't say LA and you don't say female, all of a sudden there's no emotional connection or it's a, it's a much weakened emotional connection. So I think I have that uh, going for me with the podcast. Also, um, I did not know that getting a ton of reviews in the beginning helps with rankings. I got lucky and got, I think it was like 20 reviews right away, uh, which was cool. I had no idea. I didn't even know where to read the reviews. So, uh, and then I think that helped as well. It helped going to a ton of podcasting relating related events because I was telling everybody about the We Are LA Tech podcast. At the time, it was only on SoundCloud and I was kind of, you know, private testing the the episodes and um, and I would just like give people the SoundCloud private link and just tell people about it. And I also got interviewed on a ton of other podcasts. Again, I wasn't searching for it. This was also just uh, uh, lucky. But um, but I got interviewed on a bunch of other podcasts about the We Are LA Tech podcast. A lot of those interviews started by me just going to events and podcasting, people asking if they could interview me. I didn't know that that would play such a huge role in raising awareness to my podcast later when it was live and that that would help too. And I think it really, really, really helps all that personal outreach. So I've been maintaining the calendar, mind you, since 2012. So it's quite a few years. So all those people that have been going to the calendar over the few years, like now I say, here's a podcast. So again, I read, I read stuff like that a lot that people like, um, 37 signals now just base camp they had their blog and they had like a built-in audience like a lot of bloggers have who build tech products who have that built-in audience that audience can eventually become your customer base if you treat them well got it all right yeah so i mean you know whatever metrics you could share around uh your podcast i mean you know to get on a new and noteworthy i mean what did that help for you in terms of uh you know your your listeners um so i actually pay more attention to engagement. Um, I actually only pay attention to engagement. It's a problem or not that I have. I just, again, it's the whole um, human versus metric thing. And so um, what I look at is like for every time someone uh, emails and like signs up and I like ask them, you know, Hey, how'd you find out about we are LA tech to find out? And then, so I get my insights that way by again, personal outreach. And, but I have to tell you every, I've never once, I'm talking about never once had got a response that said, um, that was something that I could have found in Google analytics, which blows my mind because like most people rely on Google analytics, right. To like know what's going on and how people find you, et cetera, so forth. But like 
it is just crazy the way people find We Are LA Tech. Oh, I was on this other site that mentioned this, that led me to that, that led me to this. And it has to be really fresh, right? Like I have to like email them within 24 hours for them to even remember that stuff. But um, it's kind of wild. It's really, really wild. Uh, so I don't know like exactly like what metrics contribute to what, but I do have extremely high engagement with uh with uh, the community in general, like uh, I get, ra- I get a lot of inbound, like a a ton of inbound um, messaging. So, for instance, I get investors from um, both a domestic and internationally asking, uh, reaching out to We Are LA Tech. I I don't know how they find it half the time. Uh, some people have said that they find it through Twitter, like they'll they'll see it as a mention as a. Um, recommended profile but like I'll get investors that email and say please integrate us into the LA tech culture tell us what LA startups exist um, I get companies when they first are open uh, a shop in LA please integrate us into LA tech and it's really it's bananas <laughs> it's cool. really bananas so yeah so if I'm let's but say I'm- I yeah Let's say I'm a podcaster starting out. Okay, let's you know, let's not look at the traffics. Um, let's yeah. just look at engagement rates. Um, you know, sp- you know, approximately what type of engagement rates would be quote unquote good uh, when it comes to what you're looking at. So, like, I reviews, right? Reviews are amazing. Um, reviews tell me how much people like other people's podcasts as well. So, let's say, like, now that I know it's such a big deal to to um, be on people's podcasts. I I still to this date have not been pro proactive about it. I mean, even you and I, I just think you're awesome. So I'm like, yeah, let's do this, you <laughs> know? But I haven't like set out and say, okay, I'm gonna get all these on all these podcasts and order more. I still like have never done that. But that is what I would recommend to someone. I would look up the kind of podcast in a similar field that your podcast would be in and look at the reviews on other people's podcasts to see how many people are writing, are starring um, that those podcasts in order to see what kind of like engagement they have with their listener base and um, and then get interviewed on as many podcasts as possible. I'd create a landing page. I use lead pages um, to uh, capture emails from the get-go. So before your podcast is even live, um, I'd start capturing the emails. There's a great group called She Podcasts um, for female podcasters that is amazing. And they they have a podcast as well. So they have a a private Facebook group um, that you could join or and also listen to their podcast. On their podcast, they have a whole episode about how to um, get to uh, number num- like the top of uh, I forget what's called but the top of iTunes and um, they even talk about like new and noteworthy everybody says that new and noteworthy is like, two months or like eight weeks but they were saying on she podcast new and noteworthy is just what's like noteworthy as well it's like new and noteworthy so she was saying that they've seen podcasts that get on new and noteworthy like post the eight weeks um my my next kind of target goal is on the i iTunes app. There's this like banner at the top where you could be featured, and it's definitely not for just new podcasts at all. And so that's my next aim. And legit, the way I'll get there is I'll probably um, f- find like a really great guest that would make sense to just the Apple listeners that like would be would make sense for Apple. Be like, oh yeah, this is something we want people to know about. 
like a really dynamic um, episode like that's produced really well. And then I would tweet that to Apple and say, check it out. Like, how about this one? You know what I mean? And yep. like, I would like just let it's all about awareness, like letting people know that you exist. I just got off of a, a um, off of a phone call. I don't know if this is exactly like an alignment, but it's it's important. Like, I just got off the phone call with someone who wants to their company to partner with L'Oreal, right? And I said, "Oh, have you reached out to L'Oreal? Like, do you have a contact there?" And they said, "No, no, no like I, I don't." And I said, why not? They're like, I don't. And I think the reason they don't have a contact there is because like um, they they like potentially want L'Oreal to acquire their company. So it's like they, they can't even possibly imagine that yet. So they haven't even thought about contacting someone because it seems so impossible, right? Well, I don't think anything's impossible. So I was like, well, I'll look to see if I have a contact at L'Oreal. You know? <laughs> like, yep. Um, I, I pretty much just think anything is possible and I reach out. So like if I want to be featured on Apple, then I will like – find people at Apple and I'll, I'll like tweet it and I'll like tell, um, my, you know, the, my network, like, Hey, like, uh, I want to be, you know, featured on Apple. Can you guys review or whatever it is? You know, I just kind of like do whatever I can and take a lot of action. Um, and then something usually works out, but I don't know exactly what it was, and I know, like, you know, with growth hacking and everything, it's all about, you know, really paying attention to, like, A-B split testing and metrics, and it's just, it's just, that's not how I particularly lead. I, I'm a leader from the heart and energy, and I know hippie capitalist, whatever, but, <laughs> um, but I really do. I just kind of, like, share a lot of love. Oh, I'd say the one thing I did, and it wasn't intentional for like growth hacking, but looking back, it was so advantageous, is I shared my story from start to finish. So when I was thinking about creating a podcast, I talked about it. When I was creating the podcast, I talked about it. And I would never talk about it in a salesy way. I was literally just sharing my story. Like, hey, because I love podcasting. So I was like, hey, what podcast do you guys all really like? Or, um, or uh, you know... Uh, what are your favorite tech podcasts or like I would just share like hey I'm I'm working on this episode what mics do you think I should use like and I would just share my story through and through and then what ended up happening is people became a part of my journey and so they're now my fan club rooting for me and I'm like no 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 I'm creating this for you guys you don't have to root for me like but that's just what ends up happening is your whole network gets excited like I just got like uh, one of the calls I had today, they said that like if you, if we are like tech didn't exist, they'd freak out. And I'm like, that is the coolest compliment ever, you know? I love um, it. Cool. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, so, just for people yeah. to know, I mean, you look at uh, I'm looking at your podcast page right now. You know, you got 40 reviews and the average is five stars. So you know, you talk about engagement. Shit, that's I it have right 40 there. now. You got I 40 didn't even now. Know that. I haven't looked um, lately. Not only that, I love Holy what you're doing right here. <laughs> In your um in your author byline, and this is for anyone that wants to get into podcasting. If you want a if you want a quick uh, growth tactic or whatever oh, yes. the hell you want to call it, um, you know, all you need to do is put in, in your byline it says, okay, by Esprit Devora, and it says similar to startup podcast, product people, product hunt, Tim Ferriss, and this week in startups. So, do you want to tell people about what that does? You can. You go for it. <laughs> <laughs> so what it does is when people search for those podcasts, let's say I'm, I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss, right? I will, you know, 
it means you get credit for that keyword. And sometimes your picture is going to show up when people are searching for Tim Ferriss and you're, you're basically leeching, or I shouldn't say leeching, you're borrowing um, his, <laughs> um, his search results. And I do the same thing. I mean, you look at mine, I do the same exact thing and it totally yeah. works. But uh, yeah, I hope they don't take that away. <laughs> No, and I think I think also like I mean there's so much that goes into it, you guys. Like and anybody listening can can tweet me at Esprit Devora. I'm more than happy to be supportive if you want to create a podcast. But like there's so much that goes into it. The cover art is so important. Think about it, somebody's looking at their phone and they have to quickly just find something interesting. So you need to make sure the cover art is easy to read, is like what people want to see. It's humanizing. It's you know, like there's just so much that goes into the formula of um, becoming shareable, right? Isn't that what all of growth hacking, all of marketing, all of startup life, all of everything is creating shareable content? So there's a lot of different components that go into creating a shareable podcast from the artwork to I specifically create um, a, a, a piece of art for every single one of my episodes and um, because when people use the We Are LA Tech um, podcast link, usually it shows the cover art. And at this point, I'm tired of seeing my own face on the cover art, right? So I can only imagine that other people are really tired of seeing the same image. And so by creating episode art unique to each individual episode, that will allow a different graphic to go through so people don't become blind and it becomes like banner blindness for advertising, you know? And so... Um, and what's also fun is it's uh, uh, artwork for my guests. So now they're excited about the artwork and uh, and then they want to share it and show everybody the artwork. Um, I also spend a lot of time on show notes and I mark down every single last person, place, thing, product, company that was talked about in the show notes. And then my team reaches out to all those people to let them know um, they're in the podcast. Now they were mentioned in the podcast in a very authentic way in a very natural conversation, but like at the end of the day, that is marketing, you know, by letting people again, I'm really big on the personal outreach. I can't say it enough. And I know it's not cool and it's not scalable and it's not growth hacker like, but, uh, it feels right for me. And that's what it's all about. And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, the, the stuff you're talking about when it comes to the podcast, it is a lot of work, but it's worth it at the end. You can see it's working for you. Um, it's working for a lot of people. I just got to put in the time. But I um, want to switch gears a little bit here. So, you know, you've been around LA Tech uh, the most. I mean, you're, you're pretty much the face. You, you are the face of We Are LA Tech, right? So, you know, yeah. what do you what do you think has changed the most in the last five years in, in LA? Oh my gosh, what hasn't changed? I'll get into that in one second. I just want to give one, I was thinking about it because sure. you're all about growth hacking. So I do want to say I do have a growth hacking strategy for my personal outreach. I use Reportive to know where who people are. I use Text Expander to um, easily paste like uh, different lines that would be similar. So let's say I'm sharing a URL, like instead of typing out the whole URL, I make it quicker using Text Expander. Um, and then I, I'll use different like follow-up systems like follow-up CC or I'll use contactually in order to like um, maintain the reminders. And there's a ton more stuff, but even just like knowing Reportive and Text Expander, are they save me like so much time in order to be able to do stuff like that. Um, how has LA changed in the last uh, five years? Well, 
Man, so I started my sports company before there was an LA tech scene, and I and my office was in Santa Monica by coincidence. Santa Monica is, is kind of like the tech hub now of startup life in LA, but that was just a uh, random. I lived in Malibu. My staff mostly lived in like Venice and Hollywood, so Santa Monica was a good central location for us to have an office. And um, <clears throat> Koloft open. I used to have these entrepreneurs anonymous nights uh, because I had a movie theater in my office. So I'd invite all these local entrepreneurs to come and hang out and watch movies. And uh, these two founders of a co-working space called Koloft came in and Koloft wasn't open yet, but um, uh, they were building and they said, you should come by. It's a co-working space. There's this huge co-working movement in San Francisco. We, we want to do the same thing here. So they opened Koloft on like Santa Monica and 10th Street. And what ended up happening is that gave people that – I forget what year that was. I'm going to guess – I always forget. I'm going to guess it was like 2009 or 10-ish. I don't know. You'd have to like fact check that one on me. But – um. So the Koloft opens, it could have even been 2011, you guys, I really don't, I, I can't remember, but Koloft opens and it created this place, this location for developers to come, for people to hang out. And so, so, and they were really, they led community first, profit second. So it was all about building community. It was about the events. It was really fantastic. And then that's what started to kind of like spread the energy of this LA tech culture. And so once Koloft like got to be successful and doing a lot of events, they partnered with Startup Weekend, which at the time was, and it may still be one of the biggest like hackathon organizations. So that spread their name globally. And then after, um, after uh, that, and then accelerators started popping up and more co-working spaces started popping up. And then people started moving to LA for startups. And I really think the seed was planted when, with Coloft and how they built Coloft. I think without Coloft, I don't know if things would exist like they do today. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even, I, I don't even know. Has it been that long? I, I, I don't even know. Um, but yeah, I, I do agree. I mean, Places like Koloft, and then there's a, a few other ones, right? There's um, you have Rock. What else do you have around there? Oh, there's so many, and there's a new one called Control LA. C- Control LA or like Control Collective open up, opening up in Playa del Rey. Playa del Rey is like the new new because like Google and Yahoo and all this stuff is happening. See, over I didn't even know that, and I live in LA. Area. Yeah, <laughs> so Playa Playa is trying to make some moves. I don't know how far their moves will go, but they're trying to make some moves. Um, but uh, yeah. There's so many. There's so many. It's it's nuts. There's like there's too many. Okay. Now, why I don't, do you think I don't it's, know. yeah. Why do you think I mean, you know, why do you think LA is a good place to to start up now? I mean, you know, there are these new mm-hmm. communities popping up, but aside from that, is there anything else? Yeah. Well, one, it's close enough to San Francisco, right? Um, San Francisco is a little bit too expensive. So LA becomes more affordable even for San Francisco investors and things of that nature. Um, we have the beach, obviously. And then um, we have entertainment, digital content, as well as technology. Plus, we have some of the best technical schools ever. Um, it's just a lot of the tech talent, and this is one of the problems we have as a city, the tech talent graduate and then they go to San Francisco. So we have to become better as a city on motivating, inspiring, um, you know, incentivizing talent to stay here because we do have a lot of the best talent. Um, yeah. Cool. Agreed. So wrapping it up here, a few more questions. Uh, what's one piece of advice you'd give to your 25 year old self? 
<laughs> 25, my 18 year old self. I, um, uh, I would say my intuition is my oracle. And that's what I have on my Twitter. Your intuition is your oracle. I would do that and I would become the most masterful at following up. Got it. What, like so I can would, you explain what yeah. that means? Your intuition is your oracle. I made a lot of decisions when I was 18 because I felt that I was an idiot and I, what did I know? And so um, even though like my gut would tell me certain things, I just thought I was an idiot. So I didn't follow my intuition. I went with what I thought seasoned people, uh, what seasoned people said because they must know more than I did. But what I realized is that, um, is that, um, you know the answer for your own journey inside your heart. Like you just know and then you just kind of have to follow that and go with it and then it will all like work itself out because I spent so much money on different consultants and stuff telling me what to do and they brought in nothing. And it's it's me who has always been the leader of my own company, me who has been the visionary, me that's under had the heart to communicate with, with people. And so to put so much... Um, so much, uh, you know, uh, of what's right and wrong onto someone else is, it's just a shame. So I meet a lot of people that are afraid to start their own startup and I tell them like, just, just go for it. And they think they're like waiting for some sort of magical answer. Like having a startup is ridiculously hard. It's a really hard life. My friend has a saying like entrepreneurs are the only set of the people who work 80 hours a week in order to avoid working 40 hours a week. (laughs) I mean, like we work endlessly. Our brains never turn off. Um, A lot of people have a hard time maintaining relationships. It's like, it's it's not this Tim Ferriss sit on a beach kind of thing, um, but there's just it's one of the biggest gifts the universe has ever given me to be able to help other people achieve their dreams by me, me following my own dreams. Like it's crazy the kind of impact that I've um, had the good fortune to create for my staff um, and to see them achieve being famous photographers, TV hosts, um, you know, uh, top tech, top developer talent. Like it's just, it's nuts. It's really, it's, it's amazing that I'm uh, empowered to do that for someone else. And so I don't think that anyone should start a company to like get away from a job or to have this like um, passive income that like you sleep and you make money. I think that that is achievable and you could get there at some point, but it's definitely not some overnight like press a button and it's just done. And I I do think that's what most people want. They think that that's the dream. Um, I I mean, Eric, wouldn't you agree? It's hard work. Every yeah, day, it is, and yeah. I, I totally agree with what you're saying around the, uh, you know, the well, everybody feels like an idiot at, at at some point, right? The whole imposter syndrome type of thing. I did see a graphic the other day on on Twitter where it's like, you know, you feel like everybody around you knows so much more than you, but the reality is they actually don't, and you have to just go with what your gut says. So I totally agree with 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 your overall approach to all of this. Um, yeah, cool. So and becoming a master, like legit becoming a master of following up like a master and it's funny I was just asking my mom the other day like what's one thing you wish you told yourself you know and she's like I wish that I was better at following up I'm like holy shit and she's not in tech you know she's like (laughs) in the music industry so it's like I really 
dude, you guys, I, I remember when I like sat on the grass with Mark Zuckerberg, like chilling, like talking about Facebook, like it was nothing, you know, if I just was a little bit better at following up, <laughs> like, like, you know, like he'd be on my like favorites fast access or something, you know, it's like, like I, there are so many um, prominent people in my network that could be even more intimately in my network if I was just better at following up. Like, that's it. Like, I had the opportunity. You can't know the future. And the future, they became, like, world leaders. <laughs> you know? It's like, it's a trip. So I would definitely, and I I still can't figure out. Um, there's so many tools. I actually just tweeted this to my network. So if you guys have a tool that you love, like, please, please, please tweet it at me, um, at Esprit Devora. But, uh, like, I want to become a master at following up. Like, just, I want that to be one of the things I'm the best in the world at. Hey, if you become the Zen master at following up, let me know, because I'll sign up. <laughs> yeah, amen. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you so much for this awesome opportunity. Like, you're so cool, man. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for being here. So what's the best way for people to find you online, aside from the Twitter uh, handle you just mentioned? Yeah, you could email me, esprit at espritdevora.com. Um, there's the We Are LA Tech uh, Twitter if um, you uh, have We Are LA Tech specific stuff. Again, if it's like We Are LA Tech specific, please keep it within We Are LA Tech. So esprit at wearelatech.com and uh, the We Are LA Tech Twitter. If it's just about random stuff like in life or like how to set up a podcast, then it's better just you know to contact me on my personal channels. All right, great. Everyone, this is Esprit Devora from We Are LA Tech. She's doing some great things. Make sure to check her out. It's free. Thanks so much for doing this. Of course. What's the number one problem all businesses face? It's not sales, marketing, or product market fit. It's hiring. We know just how hard it is, so we've compiled 25 hiring tips from top CEOs that I've interviewed here on Growth Everywhere and put it into a free resource just for you. Text 25 tips to 33444 to get the free resource now. Again, it is 25 to number 25 tips, T-I-P-S, to double three triple four, and you'll get the free resource. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.